0: Hi, this is Mac of MaxList. Find Your Dream Job is presented by MaxList, an online community where you can find free resources for your job search, plus online courses and books that help you advance your career. My latest book is called Land Your Dream Job Anywhere. It's a reference guide for your career that covers all aspects of the job search, including expert advice in every chapter. You can get the first chapter for free by visiting maxlist.org slash anywhere. This is Find Your Dream Job, the podcast that helps you get hired, have the career you want, and make a difference in life. I'm Mac Pritchard, your host and publisher of MaxList. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Becky Thomas, Jessica Black, and Lila O'Hara from the MaxList team. This week, we're talking about your most important tool in finding work. Here's a pop quiz. Is your most important job search tool your resume, your LinkedIn profile, or your cover letter? The answer, says Nella Barkley, this week's guest expert, is none of the above. Nella and I talk later in the show about the job hunting tool that matters most of all. Say the word networking and two things likely come to mind, small talk and big social events. Because of this, you may think that only extroverts succeed at networking. However, Becky has found an article that says introverts make the best networkers of all. She tells us more in a moment. You've just bought your tickets and made reservations for your next vacation. You're also looking for a job. How do you tell an employer in an interview that you may need to take time off right after you start work? That's our question of the week, and it comes from Shelley Milos in Beaverton, Oregon. Jessica shares her advice shortly. First, as always, let's check in with the MaxList team. And now for the final time, Becky Thomas returns from her searches through the nooks and crannies of the internet, and she's been looking for websites, books, and tools you can use in your job search, and your career. So Becky, it's uh, your swan song. We're going to talk a little more about that. But what have you uncovered for our listeners this week? I know it's going to be great.
1: Yeah, there's a little bit of pressure. This being my last official resource, um, but I do really like the resource that I found this week. I do too. I'm excited. Okay, I did
0: too. It's it was a surprising because I yeah. one for me I, it kind of counterintuitive.
1: Yeah. Right. So, I think that that's the reaction a lot of people have. you mentioned earlier that like networking is really just for like big social like small talk and like connecting with so many people, like, you know, like speed networking, all of that stuff. But um there's always people that like react to that and say, "Oh, I hate networking because I'm introverted. I don't like small talk, et cetera, et cetera. And I really think that like networking should be thought of in much broader terms. And I came across this article on Quartz by professor and author David Berkus, who's making an argument for introverts being the actual like, true networking masters. Mm. So his central argument is sort of two parts. First, um, that networking is much more nuanced than most people think about. A lot of people still think networking only happens in like those crowded event spaces. You've got to like drink watered-down cocktails and talk to stiff corporate types and like talk about synergy or whatever Um, but Berkus says (laughs) but Berkus is talking about those are my people (laughs) Becky
0: (laughs) you know I go to networking events for fun
1: I know and do you feel like that's sort of the vibe that you get it's like you're having these like really shallow connections with lots of new people
0: it it can happen uh, yeah. with people who don't know how to network well. And right. I, I know you're going to talk a little more about that, but uh, yeah. yeah, no. What you're describing, it's I definitely have seen it.
1: Right. But there's like lots of ways to get beyond that small talk. And Burka's argument is sort of like getting beyond small talk and making it personal mm-hmm. is much more valuable and makes you. A more connected person in like real, relevant ways that actually will help your career. Right. Um, and he shares a bunch of resource r- research in the article as well to back it up, so that's really cool. Um, and then the second part of the argument is really that you know while introverts might not get excited about that sort of meeting tons of new people, they do crave and enjoy those deeper conversations. And social science is showing like time and again that humans crave multiple points of connection in interpersonal relationships. And they call these multiplex ties, which is very fancy and scientific. And this supports advice that we're highlighting all the time on the podcast and in our resources on maxlist.org about asking open-ended questions, finding things in common besides work when you're networking with people. Um, And that is like sort of a a nice double-edged sword in a good way in terms of like introverts can have those deeper conversations in the right setting and you're building trust, revealing more interesting and relevant opportunities that's going to help your career. So I just wanted to read a quick quote from the article. Um, Burka says, Compared to those with more uniplex networks, individuals and organizations with high degrees of multiplexity in their total network are better, better able to validate ideas, they have access to greater resources, and they can think more critically and gather more diverse information. Cool. So this ch- theory really like checks out for me because I found that a deep personal network is way better than like having thousands of LinkedIn connections that you maybe met one time and never, never actually talked to in a real way. So if you're an introvert, read this article and don't discount yourself as someone who just can't network because you can and you probably can do it better than most of us ext- extroverts who just want to like talk about the weather. So... <laughs> Yeah, so, like, you know, so, like, use that strength as an introvert to, like, get those deeper conversations going and actually, like, um, just build those connections. But, like, do it in a way that aligns with your style. So, like, don't maybe go to those big mixers that are sort of, like, not fun for introverts and go for the more one-on-one informational interview, like, casual coffee chats. Um, And I think that, that you'll just, like, blossom into a networking master, those introverts out there. So... Yeah.
2: Yay. I love <laughs> I love this for so many reasons, Becky. What's number because, one? Because <laughs> oh, I don't know that I can't put them in order, but mm-hmm. I will start with the fact that I like that we're talking about I mean, you guys all know that I'm such a personality nerd, but yes. um I I think that it's really important to kind of squash the preconceived notion that introverts don't talk or don't like to meet people because right. that's not true at all. Yeah. It just means that they get drained by a lot of talking um mm-hmm. a lot quicker or a lot of stimulation generally yeah um and so i think that it is good and um to to sort of bring that to the forefront like you did and um just to kind of reiterate i want to i liked your points about how introverts can use um various networking tips for anyone to their advantage based on their own personalities and their own strengths because, um, so I get really, I hate small talk. I really, really, really hate small talk, but that's also the way that you start to be able to get into those deeper conversations. Mm -hmm. You have to sort of start with, um, you have to have the small talk at the beginning to sort of get a gauge of like what people are interested in talking about and then you can get deep. Yeah. Um, but, a lot of times people don't know what to do. They get kind of awkward about, you know, meeting people. They don't really know, oh, how how much am I allowed to talk to them? Are we supposed to stay on this surface level? What not? Yeah. And I do think that um, a lot of in- introverts do tend to go to that deeper conversation space and, and want to be there. And I, so I think that um, using that small talk, like the – that Even if it's a large crowded spaces, using those opportunities to meet new people, have just a bit of small talk to get to know them and then start talking about the things that you want to talk about mm-hmm.
1: um, and, um, and, and like use being it to a- the... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, being okay with, like, it's it's like giving yourself permission to, like, go deeper totally. and not just, like, feeling, like, oh, I'm at a networking event. I have to be, like, super businessy. No. It's, like, it's okay to be, like, what are you excited about this week? Like, something more interesting that totally. will hopefully get a more deep conversation going. Totally. And then and you I, can really, like, be in your element at that point. I love it. Yeah. I
2: love all of that. There was um, one more thing that I was going to say, but I can't remember. Otherwise, I just love this resource in general.
1: And there was a bunch of research, like like studies and stuff, that were linked in the article too. So Mm -hmm. people should check out the link. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I also love this resource because sometimes when I talk to people, they think if they're introverted, that's a liability. And the point you're making is it's a strength.
1: Yeah, it's not like it's not. Yeah, it's not like a discounted. It's not like you're less than an extrovert. Like it's it's a different thing. And it's actually there's lots of skills there.
0: Good. Yay. Well, thank you, Becky. And we have our newest MaxList team member, Lila O'Hara, with us today. And she's our new marketing coordinator. And she's you're passing the baton to her, aren't you?
1: Yeah. So, Tell us about that. Um, Pass the baton over to Leela. And uh, I think it's a really cool thing in terms of like getting her sort of comfortable in the job search advice world and learning all of the things that we talk about every week. Like, I've learned so much in the last year of being on the podcast, just in terms of like what's going on in the career development world. And um I, I think it's a great opportunity for you leela to learn and just get comf- comfy with the team and meet a lot of the guest experts that we bring on it's really fun so
3: yeah yeah hi everyone um <laughs> this is my first time on a podcast so i'm Woo! very excited to be here happy to be here um yeah it's a brand new adventure so i'm really excited and yeah. she has a great radio voice. i was just gonna say that <laughs>
0: it is a good radio voice yeah.
3: I'm glad so, that you guys are saying that because this is my first time like hearing my voice you yeah. know what other people think it sounds like you know because it sounds different in your own head of course so. yeah well it sounds good to us sounds, <laughs> sounds great, great. Thanks. Thanks. you're gonna be a great fit
0: oh, oh thanks good well, Becky, I have to ask: Do you have a favorite resource? Because you've done about fifty oh, episodes—more than fifty, actually.
1: Mac, it's so hard. I hate the favorites question because I love okay. so many things. I can't never choose a but favorite either. I really liked the um, article about like uh, the gendered keywords and job descriptions from like a month or two ago. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what episode it was, but it was like that one was super interesting. I'm that really was into great. sort of. Women at work right now, and how women can build their careers, and we've had and a lot awesome, of good so. conversations
2: about yeah, lady power. It's been yeah. great. Yeah,
1: keep it going, ladies. Oh, we will. Oh, yeah. Yeah. don't We're worry. to Keep that going. Yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, I, I think the show is in good hands, and yeah. I, I do want to say, Becky. You've been terrific, and it's been such a pleasure having you on the show. And I, I know you're not going anywhere. Nope,
1: you're just down the hall.
0: Just down the hall. <laughs> and I know that you'll be coming back as a special guest host from time to time.
1: Yeah, so. you won't be able to keep me away.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> I love the microphone. Yeah. yeah
0: you do. <laughs> so thanks for your great work. and yeah, uh, um, We're looking forward to, to having you on the show, Leela. Thanks. Yeah. So if you've got a suggestion for uh, our resource segment, just write Leela. Take uh, Becky, move Becky to a different place in your in your you database. Can still
1: email me. just I won't. I'll send it to Leela if you have a
0: resource. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. And Leela's address is Leela at maxlist.org. And we would she'd love to hear from you, and we'd love to share your idea on the show. So thinking or speaking of you, the listeners, let's turn to Jessica, who is here to answer one of your questions. And Jessica, what's in the mailbag this week?
2: This week we have a question from Shelly Milos in uh, Beaverton, Oregon, and she says, I've been looking for a new job for about four months and finally, finally starting to get some interviews. Here's my problem. My husband and I have a long planned and paid for vacation coming up this summer. If I get a new job in the next month or so, I'll need to take some time off shortly after getting hired for this trip. How do I best broach this topic in an interview? I don't want to lose a job opportunity or the vacation. Help! So um, this is a really excellent question because I I definitely have had this conundrum myself in um, j- my job search in the past, and I think that that's a stressor for a lot of people. It because is, yeah. Oftentimes, your job search takes a lot longer than you think, and um, or even just the interview process with one employer takes a lot longer than you anticipate or or whatnot, and you don't want to sacrifice either one, and you can't really put your life on hold while you're job searching you still you still get to take vacations and you're allowed to do that um, and so what I would suggest to Shelly is um, is to kind of move along uh, and don't really think about it too much keep doing what you're doing um, don't cancel your vacation but, uh, but bring that up again and I would say like second interview um, get through that first interview process uh, interview you know the process, I guess. And, um, and you know, make sure it's the right fit and you don't have to, you don't have to bring it up right away in the first interview. I know, um, that's always been something that has made me feel really uncomfortable because I feel like I'm hiding something or, um, you know, misleading them in some way, but it's not, you are, there's no need for them to know that quite yet. And, um, and you don't know, what time frame they're thinking of or how long the interview process will go either. And so that's something that, um, that, that does not have to be, that bridge does not have to be crossed right away. So I would um, get to, I would say that second or th- even third interview kind of feel out the, the vibe of the interview process. And if you do feel like you're a very strong candidate, if they've if they've talked about um, even in the second interview, you know, we are really excited about you and we'd like, you know, the candidate to start at a certain time at that second interview conversation, that is where you would maybe bring that up um, or that's where you would bring that up. And I would just, you know, it's okay that you have a vacation. You're, again, you're allowed to have that. And um, I would just be very candid about that and just say, I, my husband and I have been planning this vacation for a long time since before my job search process. Um, and here are the dates that I will be gone. I, uh, if I am hired, I will, you know, work before and um, and after. But these are the times that I am going to be gone, and just kind of um, let them know that. And if it's a problem for them, um, then. That that's their problem. But, uh, and unfortunately I, I would say it's not your problem, um, because that means it's not the right fit if they're not going to be respectful of your need to, to take a vacation that has been planned for a long time. So, um, so those are my thoughts about that. I would love to hear Becky. What do you think?
1: I totally agree. I would also just add like um, the the worry of like bringing it up too early like right. if you bring it up in like your phone interview they might see you as being like a prima donna in a way like oh here are my needs like blah 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 like it's really like you have to wait until you're sure that they want totally. to because in the early st- with you totally
2: yeah. in the early stages they're looking for any. Thing that's going to be a deal mm-hmm. breaker.
1: Um, Let them get to know you.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Let them know that like you are the right person. And they'll be right. they'll be um, able to make that make that work. And mm-hmm. who knows? the The interview process may take so long that mm-hmm. you are going to be on vacation before you even get the job yeah. offer. Anyway, totally. so um, again, bring that up when it comes yeah. to that point.
0: I agree. And as an employer, I would say this comes up about twenty percent of the time when mm-hmm. I'm talking to finalists. And it, for me as an employer, is something it's another item to be negotiated, Absolutely. like the start date and salary and, and yeah. other benefits. Yeah. So I like your uh, I think you're right about the timing, Jessica. and, I, and to your point, Becky, you know the, the more they get to know you and the more they want to work with you, the more likely they are, Going to be to say yes, to they'll be that. flexible yeah. about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
2: That's it, why I suggest don't bring it up until that second interview or yeah. even third interview, depending on the vibe that you yeah. get. Yeah,
0: some people even wait until there's an offer on the table. Right. You, you have to follow yeah. your instincts. But,
2: yeah. Um, but it sounds like she's um, she's wanting to to be very transparent and authentic, yeah. and so um, I would I would suggest you know definitely wait until they get to know you, but but. Yeah, have that conversation. And enjoy
1: your vacation. That's right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that sounds great. Uh, Because summer is almost here when we're recording this. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, thank you, Jessica. And thank you, Shelley, for the question. If you've got a question for Jessica, she'd love to hear from you. Her email is jessica at maxlist.org. You can also call our listener line. We got a recording the other day, didn't we, Jessica? We did, yeah. Yeah, so there are people out there who know this number. It's area code 716-JOB-TALK. And you can post your question on the MaxList Facebook group page. Uh, However you do it, if we use your question on the show, you'll get a free copy of Land Your Dream Job Anywhere. We'll be back in a moment, and when we return, I'll talk with this week's guest expert. It's Nella Barkley, and she and I are going to talk about your most important tool in finding work. I meet with thousands of job seekers each year, people who struggle to find meaningful, rewarding work that matters. I find that many of these people make the same simple mistake in their job search. It's a fatal error that makes the hunt for work longer and harder than necessary. What's this critical mistake? people don't have a clear job search goal. You might think it's wise to apply everywhere, but the more you narrow down your job search, the easier everything gets and the happier you'll be in your next gig. Stop chasing every lead. Instead, put all your energy into the opportunities that you really want. Of course, setting your goals is easier said than done, especially when all you know is what you don't want to do. That's why I created a new resource that can help. It's called Finding Focus in Your Job Search. This free step-by-step guide will help you figure out what you want in your career and in your next job. To get Finding Focus in Your Job Search, visit maxlist.org focus. Again, go to maxlist.org focus. And now let's get back to the show. Now let's turn to this week's guest expert, Nella Barkley. Nella Barkley is the president and co-founder of the Crystal Barkley Corporation, which helps people find their own personal career and life paths. She is a sought-after mentor, public speaker, and coach, and her counsel is sought by Fortune 500 corporations, career changers, and the international media. Nella is also the author of two books, Crystal Barkley Guide to Taking Charge of Your Career and How to Help Your Child Land the Right Job Without Being a Pain in the Neck. She joins us today from Charleston, South Carolina. Nella, thanks for being on the show.
4: It's fun to be with you. Well,
0: it's a pleasure to have you. Uh, now, our topic this week is the most important tool in a job search. And, you know, when I say the phrase job search tool, I think a lot of listeners think of a resume, maybe a LinkedIn account or a cover letter, but you say, Nella, that the most important job search tool isn't a product. It's something else. Can, can you tell us more?
4: Your most important tool in looking for work is your knowledge about yourself and your knowledge about uh, potential employers. Uh, LinkedIn is certainly a very good tool these days, but we don't uh, advise being quite so passive as to simply put uh, something out on LinkedIn and wait for someone to be
3: in touch with you.
4: And resumes kind of fall into that same category. Um, Resumes, in fact, are your least effective tool in looking for work.
0: Why, Nila, why is that? Because uh, I know you talk to a lot of job seekers and employers as well. And both parties spend a lot of time both writing resumes and, and reviewing them and making hiring managers to make decisions about who gets interviews based on resumes.
4: You know, it's amazing that there's still so much in currency because resumes are basically a tool to screen you out, not screen you in. And most of them are read electronically now anyway. And so it's the keywords that pop up or don't pop up that are are going to get you uh, into someplace. And the percentage of getting you into place a possible employer, is dismally low. But that's not the worst thing about them. The worst thing is that when you get your resume all beautifully tuned and, um, broadcast, then what do you do? You sit at home and you wait. You wait and you wait for someone to pick it up on it, to get in touch with you. And that puts you in a very passive mode, which is exactly where you don't want to be. You want to be out there seeing people.
0: So let's talk about that. Um, what I'm hearing is you, gotta, you probably have to have a resume, but you, you can't stop there. You've got to get out. And you mentioned at the start, Nella, that uh, you, the two most important things are to know yourself and what you have to offer and to know your, the, you know something about the employer where you want to work. Let's break that into two parts. Let's start about our, ourselves and, and what we have to offer. Why is that such an important job search tool?
4: Well, you know, if we can't advocate for ourselves, then who's going to? And we can't advocate very well unless we know what it is that we have to offer. And that means being intimately familiar with your foremost skills and being able to give evidence of using them in a productive manner. That means drawing from your own history the little stories of your life and what you have done in order to illustrate that, let me tell you why I know I can do these things. Because in uh, 2005, at uh, such and such a company, this is what I did for them. And so, being able to give the evidence uh, that you can perform a certain skill is enormously convincing.
0: So, so many people, I think, struggle with this. Nella, they, uh, in their LinkedIn profile or uh, a resume, for example, they'll describe their, their responsibilities of, at a position, but they don't talk about their accomplishments. What, what's your best tip for how to provide that evidence to an employer? How, how should people, when they reflect back on their career, collect that information and, and present it?
4: We advocate writing little stories Uh, for yourself about things that you've done in your life, not only in your work life, but in your uh, recreational life, in your private life, not only in your adult life, but in childhood. Nothing is quite as convincing than hearing a potential engineer say, ever since I was a child, people were bringing me the broken radio to put back together. And then you pick up little tidbits throughout your life that demonstrate not only what you can do, but what happened because you did it. Um, What did you accomplish for people? This is where you will separate yourselves from other candidates in the most convincing and dramatic way.
0: Yeah. As you talk, I'm reminded of something I do when I'm, uh, talking about my skills as a connector and an organizer. Uh, and I've, had, I've worked in politics and government. I, I'm the guy, I'll say, either in a presentation or a job interview, who puts together the family reunion, who ran the block party for 14 years. Um, and it's. A, I think everybody, that provokes a, a picture in people's mind that they can connect with, doesn't it?
4: Perfectly, you gave an absolutely marvelous illustration. And as important as all this is, you know, the most important person in the room when you're having an interview or you're exploring um, possibility with a potential employer is not you. It's that potential employer. What does that person, that organization need? Because a job is a response to a need, a need that someone else is feeling acutely enough that they're willing to pay you for. So to get the emphasis off of yourself and onto the needs of a potential employer is what we need to strive to do.
0: How do you see people do that successfully, Nella? Mm -hmm. Because they walk into that job interview or they see a posting on a on a computer and for a position and they, how do they find out what that employer needs before they send in the application or sit down for that interview?
4: Well, you know, a lot of our clients never go through a typical interview. And the reason they don't is because they set out researching before they decide, they decide, you know, I say for whom they would like to work. Uh, In the course of doing their research, they will talk to many people and uncover needs uh, uh, precisely the manner in which an employer wants these filled, their frustrations in the past because they haven't been filled adequately, perhaps. And then what we advocate is that you approach your employer not with a resume, Not for the typical interview, but you make them a proposal. You propose to them what you can do for them to meet needs that you have uncovered doing your research. And if you're lucky, you may even have seen the person doing your research that you're proposing
0: to. I, I love the approach you're outlining. I can imagine listeners saying, well... How do I get in to see those employers? They they won't return my calls or, or respond to my emails. Uh, and, and even if they did, why would they take a meeting?
4: Well, think about it. Uh, first of all, think about what you want to do. Uh, perhaps you're an engineer who wants to work on designing a certain kind of product and Therefore, you need to find out which of the firms most interested in uh, producing that product line. And maybe you know somebody who works for one of these. Maybe you don't. But if you don't know somebody, you probably know someone who knows someone. They say it never takes more than uh, three people to be able to get to your target. And What you want to do is you talk to people down the line. Tell me what your experience has been working for this firm for so many years are. Tell me what persuaded you to work here. Uh, What do you know about the firm's ethics? Because the whole ethical structure is a big thing to know about too. And you can talk to people who might be your peers on a very informal basis, and they they might say, "Well, why do you are you asking me these things? Do you want to work here?" And you can respond very truthfully. I'm not sure yet. I want to determine if they meet my criteria. If they do, uh, then I'm going to um, uh, present myself in as favorable a way as possible to them in order to meet. But they need
0: to get done. And again, I, I think this is a thoughtful, strategic approach, but I'm sure you also hear from job seekers, Nella, gosh, I don't have time. I just want to find a job. What What reaction would you have if somebody said that to you? It
4: seems on the face of it that it takes a lot of time to do your research first. But you know, it takes a lot less time than waiting at home for a message to crop up on your computer month after month. It's actually in seeing things, in building and expanding your networks, but around an area of interest you have, that you are going to meet the people who either will be your future employer
0: or maybe your colleagues. terrific and we've talked a lot about how to research an employer's problems we started out uh, with a discussion Nella about knowing ourselves and as you say in the end it's not about us it's about what the employer needs but do you have any quick advice for people who want to get clear about their strengths and how to they might go about doing a self-assessment the best way we know how to do it
4: is to Think of things that you have done and remember them with some pleasure and sense of accomplishment. Literally put pen to paper, and longhand is a good way to do it, as, but you can do it on the computer too. And I say longhand because it somehow helps you to uh, think things out better sometimes. Write a little story about what you've done. And then look back over that and say, now what skills did I show in that? And show that story to a friend and say, "What, what skills do you see in that? Because a friend will see some things that you didn't see. And you can return the favor to your friend. And so you teach each other in a way by working on each other's materials how to recognize that attributes that are priceless in terms of your future. And I'm not talking just about technical skills. I'm talking also about personality traits. Personality traits um, are some of your greatest attributes. Everybody's loaded with them. But they have to be put in the right environment. In what environment do you really work Best. and wouldn't we all love to work with people who are enthusiastic about the same things that we are? So, being able to identify not only your technical skills but your personality traits and your those wonderful adaptive skills skills that enable you to get along with people—they'll uh, get you far.
0: Yeah, and I, I agree. Totally, Nella, that we all want to work with people who are enthusiastic about what they do. Well, thanks so much. It's been a great conversation. Now, tell us what's coming up next for you.
4: Well, we always have our uh, life work design programs coming up. Uh, They run, um, we work with people both remotely and in a three-day course. These courses normally take place in New York City. Uh, occasionally elsewhere uh, much of the information is available if um, your listeners will look up www.bestworkinc.com or they can pick up the telephone and call our 800 number it's three 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 nine zero zero three. 9003 There's a book on the market entitled The Crystal Barclay Guide to Taking Charge of Your Career. It's available through Amazon and also directly um, through us. And if you call the 800 number, again, it's 333-9003, you'd find us happy to talk to you. And there's no obligation for an initial call. So um, we always have programs Coming up, that are special as well. Um, some are focusing on women now uh, as they move up through their corporations. Um, there, occasionally we adopt a specific um, emphasis. People moving from for profits to not for profits, uh, and vice versa. So. Um, Whatever the issue is, you know, check to see if there's some particular focus.
0: Well, terrific. I will be sure to include that contact information in our show notes. Nella, thanks for being on the show today.
4: Thank you. Enjoyed talking with you a lot,
0: I did, too. Take care. We're back in the Maxlist Studio with Becky, Jessica, and Leela. So, what did you two think of my conversation with Nello? What were some key takeaways for the three of you?
1: She had some really good points about that sort of self-knowledge piece, and how it's up to you as you know you're your only person that can like truly advocate and yeah. truly know like what you're doing. And if you don't know that for yourself, like, how is anyone else going to know it? And I think that's, that's like, huge. it's sort of a hard lesson sometimes. And I think, like, it's it's hard work because you have to really, like, dig in and, like, question yourself a lot. But I really, like, yeah, I feel like she was just sort of like, you have to know this. Like, you have to figure out, like, who you are and what you have to offer and be able to talk about it passionately. And, like, that's hard work. But I think, like, some of the advice about, like, writing down yep. and giving mm-hmm. it to a friend to like get an outside perspective was really helpful because I think like a lot of times we're just like too close to our own skills and and strengths and weaknesses and things. So yeah, yeah I agree. Getting I outside think help.
2: Those are all those are um, all really important points and just really helpful in the introspective journey that it is of job searching. Some mm-hmm. people I know. Some people do have that clear clear goal and clear path. Um, but even if you have that clear goal and clear path, you still have to do some of that, um, hard, you know, process work to be able to know what kind of words you're going to use about yourself and, and how you're going to describe yourself and how you're going to advocate for yourself. Mm -hmm. Because, um, I agree that is a, a hard lesson to learn, but it has to be done. And like, you know, you can, you can go through the process and try to get people to read through the lines of, of what you're trying to convey, but it's gonna take a lot longer, and it's gonna be a lot harder for people to help you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I I agree. Just that getting clear about what what it is that you, who it is you are, what it is you are working towards, what it is you're good at, all of those things. That just being as clear as possible and communicate those and be be direct. And um, and I think, like you said, Becky, getting that support from your network is mm-hmm. huge too.
3: Yeah, um I th- wanted to point out the point she made about um your resume and how it's not like the end all be all of yeah. the job search because yeah. I thought that was a really valuable point that she made because I think a lot of people myself included just kind of like tweak their resume, edit their resume constantly mm-hmm. and then are very passive and just kind of sit and wait for employers to get back yeah. to you. Yeah. But I think it's really important to be active and aggressive and just like not just be passive and mm-hmm. Yeah, around, I think you know, that's a for them. really yeah.
2: good point because I think that a lot of people have been sort of, quote unquote, trained that, um, you know, you put together your resume and then you're good to go and you're going to get all these job offers right. and it's no problem. Like, as long as you have a resume, mm-hmm. you're you're set. Um, but that's not the truth. And I think that's a really important point that she brings up that um, that you can't just sit around. I mean, you can't just put it into a um, an ATS or or job search engine or whatever it is that you're using or send it to an employer and just kind of hope that that will tell your story for you. You have to do, make the in-person connections and you have to um, be able to, to do all of the rest of it that supports
0: that. I think that's,
2: that's a good point. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah. And she laid out a process for how not to do that or what you can do rather than just send out a resume, which is doing this research, having these conversations and I pressed her on that because I know many listeners hear that and they think, mm-hmm. well, that sounds hard and yeah. that's difficult. I don't know how to do that. But her main point is don't wait to be picked mm-hmm. uh, and do the homework, figure out what employers want, and figure out if you want to be there.
3: Yeah. And I, yeah.
0: I, I think she's spot on. It's, Absolutely. it's hard to do it that way, but I, I think at the end you'll get much better results and have a more satisfying career. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks, everybody, for that great feedback. And thank you, Nella and you are listeners for downloading today's episode of Find Your Dream Job. And if you're still looking for guidance in your own career, check out my new goal-setting resource. It's called Finding Focus in Your Job Search. You can download it for free at maxlist.org slash focus. And join us next Wednesday. Our special guest will be Marcy Albaher. She's the author of the Encore Career Handbook, How to Make a Living and a Difference in the Second Half of Life. Until next time, thanks for letting us help you find your dream job.